Do you have 60 seconds spare to get yourself a natural high? Then this show is for you. Welcome to Love Life, featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. I'm quietly, or not so quietly, excited by this episode, as over the past few months, I've started joining some new dots. You know how I love to come up with a new theory? Hmm. Well, I have one. One that I've even done some research on, and I've found a lot of support suggesting that there's some weight to my observation. So today, we're talking about physical body health. Now, before many of you intuitives or empaths or highly sensitive people have your eyes glaze over and start to tune out, stay with me. I have a theory I feel you'll like. Today, I've also asked one of the Love Life tribe, Jason Marinovich, to join me. Many of you may know Jason from his supportive and wise posts that he puts in the private Love Life tribe Facebook group. And if you're not a member of this group, then you need to come and join us. It's filled with incredibly supportive, loving, kind and wise people who are there to support each of us as, you know, we look for ways to overcome everyday challenges. And the best part... It's all without judgment. If you want to join that, head to facebook.com forward slash love life show. And at that page is the request to join the private group. Jason's a health and wellness entrepreneur, a teacher, a consultant, and a man who's really committed to helping people remember who they are. So you'll be hearing from him shortly. Jane's thought for the week. notice that whenever I'm in a situation in life where I've chosen to expand who I am and show this externally to the world and usually through my work, my career, I put on weight. Now this has happened each time I became brave and took on something new. When I was 21, I became a choreographer on the public stage. So that was a really big step for me. I was terrified Excited, yet terrified. What happened? On came the weight. In my early 30s, when I became engaged to my husband and therefore became a part of a larger family, the same thing happened. When I had my first child, yes, the same. I wrote that one off initially though too, being a new mum. Then after my second child, I lost all this weight. I was no longer in expansion mode. I was in a role I already was familiar with and I was maintaining who I was. I increased again when I published my first book. I increased again when I became a partner in Social Aid and so on it has been for my entire life. Now, since I'm a high sensation seeking, highly sensitive person, how's that for a mouthful? HSS, HSP. This has happened an awful lot in my life, a lot more than I've just listed here. So I have a theory that the physical body was protecting me from the expansion into more energy from others that I'd be coming into contact with and perhaps taking on as my own. Now, bearing in mind, I'm highly sensitive and I know many of you listening to this are too. So that's why I thought you might find this interesting. 
Once I became comfortable in what was then a new arena, so as it became not so new and something I was very comfortable with, then my weight would either stabilize or it would reduce. So it was time for me to do a bit of research. When a sensitive person or an empath or an intuitive or really anybody that's starting the journey into opening up their intuitive gifts or is choosing to expand their gifts. You know, they may already have many, but they're choosing to really work on expanding what they've already got. A body seems to compensate by having us gain weight in an attempt to ground us. And I've often said, when I finish doing a really heavy workload of channeled coaching sessions, where I've done maybe six or seven hours in a day, I crave fat and salt and sometimes sugar, but I knew that was grounding me. So I was really interested to see that this is what a lot of other research tends to be saying. So lots of intuitives suddenly develop sugar and carb cravings when they really start to begin to explore their gifts. And since I know that's just about all of you that are either exploring gifts that are new or working on getting new gifts, I thought this is important to be sharing with you. So apparently, To prevent this, the lower chakras need more attention and exercise is essential for intuitives. Hands up who doesn't do exercise. All right, guilty me. I stretch. I do a bit of yoga. I visualize doing exercise. I like the thought of doing exercise. I'm not doing it. Apparently, exercise, particularly in the legs, is really important to help balance the upper chakras that are doing all of the work around, you know, exploring the intuitive, and the lower chakras are there for grounding. They need more attention, and the reason for doing that is to help the sugar cravings that empaths and intuitives need. And apparently, we need more water, protein, and fat than most people, certainly in my case. This is exactly what I realized I'd been experiencing for years. And my latest personal observation is that I've just gone through, well, I'm kind of coming towards the end of yet another expansion. And as I feel more comfortable with this new way or this new things that I'm taking on, I'm finding my need for sugar, protein and fat is starting to reduce. The water's not reduced, though. I'm still guzzling that like crazy. So watch this space as I conduct yet another experiment on myself. I also want to share with you another theory that I've been observing over well, really the past 11 years as a matchmaker. One of the things that I've found is that when people go through a relationship separation, which often results in great trauma for the individual, they either put a lot of weight on or they lose a lot of weight in a very fast time frame. My theory here is that if somebody's natural way of being, when they're in conflict, is to run away from the conflict. So it's that fight or flight response. If their natural response is to flight, run away, then they are likely to lose a lot of weight fast. If their natural way of being is to more fight, then they're likely to put weight on. Now, it's an unproven theory, but it's just something I've observed that I feel ties in with this conversation, because really what I'm doing here is asking you to perhaps explore your own connection with your body and how it fluctuates in such a beautiful, natural way 
to support you emotionally. And this ties in with the episode that I recently did with beautiful Rebecca Brown around the body positive and changing our understanding of how amazing our body is, getting rid of the stereotypical small, uh, slender size, big boobs, small hips, all of that sort of stuff, and changing our understanding to one of appreciation for how amazing our body is that it changes so drastically through our journey to support us in whatever it is we're going through. I thought many of you may identify with this, or perhaps there's other physical changes that you go through that co-inspand with expansion or contraction of self. And I thought you might like to explore that about yourself. Emotional eating was a buzzword, what, a decade or so ago, I guess. And I certainly believe that that's a particular trigger. However, I feel like this is a different trigger and one that we can explore to have a greater connection with our physical body. So to learn more about the physical body, I went to the Love Life Tribe and asked Jason Marinovich to join me. It's time to hear from the Love Life Tribe. In a world full of lost souls suffering from disconnect and amnesia, Jason helps people expand their awareness of self through holistic lifestyle coaching. Jason says, by practicing mindfulness, you can reconnect to your authentic self and remember once again who you are, why you're here, and what your purpose is. So I thought it was time to have him join me on the show to share some of his beautiful wisdom around physical health and how we can take those bite-sized steps towards a deeper connection with the physical body. Gut health is such a hot topic right now, and so that's something that I know is right up Jason's alley, and that is what I started asking him about. I mean, this goes way back to Hippocrates' days, where he said uh, all disease begins in the gut, and to this day, that's pretty much being proven right. Um, yeah. Haven't they now proven that the gut has a memory? Like, it's got, they're saying it's got its own brain. Yeah, well, and, I mean, there's, there's certain studies that show there's more neurons in the gut and your spinal cord combined than there are in your brain. That, I mean, that should give you an, an indication of how powerful an influence your gut has on your decisions and your choices and your emotions to the brain. We've always had that saying, haven't we, of, you know, I can feel it in my gut or it's yeah. a gut instinct. And, of course, I think I use the language of intuition. And it is often, you know, I know that when we say, well, where are you feeling that? It's, it's in my gut. I'm feeling it in my gut. So is that the same thing? Yeah. I mean, I believe your gut is the foundation of your physical body. And that builds up to your heart, which is the foundation of your emotional body. And then that goes to your brain, which is the foundation of your mental body. And altogether, these form your soul or spiritual body. But I do believe it all starts with that foundation of your gut. And if that's in disarray, then so will your other bodies be as well. So where does somebody start to get a healthy gut? Well, it starts with intention, with awareness, with knowing that something needs to change. Um, so, like, it's, it starts with having an awareness of if something is not working in your life, then you need to understand that and Probably the best way to understand that is to ask, um, be curious, um, and question what's going on in your body, in your relationship, in your life. And if there's anything 
that is incongruent with what you actually want, then maybe it's a good time to come back and look at your physical body as a foundation of changing something else in your life. I believe you can create better relationships, um, better businesses, get more wealthy by focusing on the health of the body because that affects the health of your mind and your choices. So looking at your life, how are things going? If they're not going according to what you, to how you believe they should be, let's go, let's come back to the body and build that foundation. So from that healthy foundation, that physical, uh, strong body, we can create better choices. I find this fascinating, Jason, and it's such wonderful timing that uh, we're talking today because a lot of particularly highly sensitive people really struggle with their physical health because they spend a lot of their time trying to manage their everyday emotional well-being. And so the physical will often suffer. I haven't got statistics on this, but I'm led to believe that a lot of sensitive people have trouble with addictions or have trouble really connecting with their physical body. And yet when somebody is suffering from depression or even if it's not depression but it's depressive thoughts, depressive moments, you know, the first thing that the GP, the general practitioner, you know, Western doctor will say is get moving. And that's actually good advice, isn't it? Yes. And I know that whenever I've, and it's what, it's probably the last thing you feel like doing when you're in that particular mindset or that particular emotion. And you have to literally put your big girl or big boy pants on and force yourself to do it. But what I feel is really important is that when people force themselves to do that, go for that walk or do that yoga class or get on the Wii and do something, you know, exercise that way, whatever it is people do, get to the gym. We have to start documenting what we felt before and what we feel after because it's a very fast change, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, when it comes to depression and anxiety and those sort of mood disorders, it's basically your body and your mind being stuck. It's stuck in a certain space of thinking or feeling. And when you're, when you're moving, when, when your body starts to move, there's a lot of changes that are happening, not just physically, but there's hormonal changes. There's changes in your neurons and a lot of things. And this simple act of movement, this physical movement can change the way you see yourself, the way you see the world, and it can change, especially after a high-intensity um, workout. I mean, there's a lot of science coming out showing that you can get the benefits of a 10-minute high-intensity workout, as, you know, which is just the same as doing 60 minutes, and you get this massive, what we were told was a massive endorphin rush, um, which changes how you how you feel after the workout, but actually it's coming to be shown that it's not so much endorphins that are giving you that runner's high, it's more your endocannabinoid system. So the endogenous uh, cannabinoid molecules in your body that give you that high. So by moving your body, you release these molecules that affect your emotion. And I think that's pretty powerful to know that you actually can control the way you think by the way you move. It's I'm loving this because I know that I personally have spent a lot of time on on the mind and the heart connection and dealing with my emotions. And- 
And I guess like anything, it will always work for me, but it's only going to work so far until you connect the full body, mind, soul experience. And so I'm sure that if I'm like this, there are plenty of our listeners that are in a similar situation. It's time for us to all get moving. So you've used language that I've never heard before. (laughs) It sounds super impressive. I won't even try and repeat those words. Um, But, you know, there's been a lot of of talk also, though, about gut. So, So movement, we've done the movement. Of, of getting your emotions and your mindset shifting as a result of the movement. Movements don't have to be big and they don't have to be long. A simple 60-second squat. So just from, from a standing position, squatting down and exhaling and then standing up and inhaling. Doing that for 60 seconds doesn't make a, a big difference and how you're thinking and feeling. I remember a wonderful wellness guru sharing that the downward dog, the yoga position of downward dog, and I've done that. If I've had a moment of anxiety or fear or, I don't know, just anything that's a yucky, just that fleeting thing of, oh, yuck, I feel stuck, going straight into downward dog and holding that again for probably only 60 seconds does it. So these are quick, fast, effective things that... Everybody can do and no one's got any excuses because I know the thought of, oh, I've got to go to the gym five times a week. I've got to do an hour workout. I've got to drive there. I've got to organize babysitters. I've got to find the time. It isn't possible for a lot of people to do that. So I'm loving this short, get this shift happening. I sometimes think of it as my whole body is just filled with little buzzy I picture them as smiley little happy cells running around my body. (laughs) But when I start stretching, I feel them kind of giggle and move all through my body, particularly if I'm doing some yoga stretches or something like that. Visualizing, I think, can help as well. But let's talk about the 10 minutes that you've just mentioned. The 10-minute high impact gets the same effect as the 60 minutes. You know that's really good news for Westerners, Jason. Actually, it's not just the same effects, but better effects. Because the longer you exercise, especially if you're going for a long run, so it's mainly long cardio, then the the more cortisol, which is the stress hormone, the more of that gets released and it stays released over time. Whereas these short impact interval, high intensity interval sessions, the cortisol, you still get that effect during the exercise, but there's less of an effect after the exercise. So you're not getting a so long duration exercise can lead to a long duration of stress afterwards, whereas short high intensity bouts tend to um, shunt that cortisol uh, from it keeps the cortisol from being left around in the body for a long period of time, and you still get the same uh, mood lift. You get better um, benefits in terms of cardiovascular health, and yeah, it's it's, it's shorter. It is a lot more tougher though because you're having to push yourself to the maximum for a shorter period of time. But once it's done, it's done. And you don't need to do a lot of it during the week. While you might run every day, you only need to do this like two to three times a week. I'm also imagining though people that haven't actually exercised for a long time, I don't think they'd even need to do 10 minutes. You know, if they could manage five minutes, I think they'd get huge. And you'd feel it. You'd feel that endorphin rush, for want of a better word. You've got the better long language of what it really is. And the thing is, high intensity is high intensity for you, right? So if morbidly overweight, then your 10-second uh, sprint 
would be my walk, you know. But that's still a massive effort on your body and your mind, and that's all you need to do. So it's your effort that you're measuring against, not anyone else's. I love this because this is so much about listening to your own body, which, you know, I harp on about in every just about episode and whether that's your heart your mind or now your gut what is it you're listening to but really know that you know we know our own selves better than anybody else and and so many books are written about the majority podcasts are done about the majority but we have to remember that we are unique and that we need to be listening to ourselves don't we yeah i like that saying we are all unique individuals I think this is amazing news because anybody can actually adjust their happiness levels immediately, whether it's a 60-second squat, as Jason suggested, or I do the downward dog, or whether you want to do high intensity for a period of time that is new to you, you're going to get that release. Now, I just want to touch on, you mentioned to cortisol, and I want to remind our beautiful, highly sensitive listeners that cortisol is kind of, it's the queen's bee of... Uh, of making HSP struggle. It is the, the cortisol that is overwhelming, that's depleting the serotonin, which is the memory, because a lot of HSPs, when they have a big meltdown, they know that they've had a massive emotional experience, but they can't actually articulate what actually happened because they've depleted the serotonin, which is the memory. And then it stays in the body for a long time, and it's t- it makes you so tired and lacking in vitality, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and this is not to say cortisol is bad. It's the chronic cortisol. It's that constant high level of cortisol. So we need cortisol to help us in survival situations, but we don't really have that in this day and age. So we, you know, ancestrally speaking, we would get into a situation, cortisol would come and help us get out of that situation, and then it would go away. But today we're constantly stressed mentally and emotionally more than we are physically and that high level of cortisol that doesn't go away it's there 24 7 that's where we get into trouble and so the exercise is going to help to deplete the cortisol and if you're not doing the long exercise you're not flooding your body with more cortisol is that right working out actually raises cortisol but the high intensity workout will help uh, remove that cortisol from your body after the Right, and that's the key, isn't it? Because that's what, as Westerners, we're not getting rid of the cortisol from our body at all. It's permanently there, isn't it? Whereas in caveman days, it was fight or flight. And, you know, we weren't being... I was just going to say, we're not being chased by tigers. And and back in those days, you might get chased by a tiger once a month. It wasn't happening 24 hours a day, was it? The the only issue with that is after a workout, if you go into work and you're stressed at work, then that cortisol stays high as well. So... A lot of us see work or relationships as that tiger that's constantly chasing us. And that's what we need to work on, is perceiving stress in in, in another way. Mm. So when's the best time to work out then? The best time to work out is whenever you can do it. So it's whatever schedule. The thing is, don't think it's going to help with your stress levels if you just walk into another stressful environment. Um, But, you know, besides cortisol, there's many other benefits to working out. But if your focus is on stress reduction, then yes, do the workout, but also do the work, the mental, emotional work, when you come into that stressful space of work or a relationship, uh, and do the work of understanding and changing how you perceive that environment, how you perceive that relationship. 
It's all on you because how you see the world is, it's all coming from within. It's your own perceptions. It's no one else's. No one's telling you that, um, you know, this food is tasty or that this cloud looks like this. This is all your own internal perceptions. So you have to work on identifying where you have stress in your life and then you have to work at understanding that this is your perception and you have the power to change it. Mm, beautifully said. Let's get back to gut health because there's also a lot about the gut of, you know, I've read a lot of blogs and heard a lot of speakers talk about, you know, bone broth and things like that. Is that your feel as well? Yeah, um, there's certain foods and uh, lifestyle changes that you can make to uh, help physically repair the gut and to make the gut stronger um, and to make it so it's able to um, – because inside your gut you've got what uh, is called now the microbiome, your gut microbiome, and this is – they say there's 10 times more microorganisms in your gut than you have cells in your body. Um, wow. So, yeah, so your, your gut's a powerful uh, – I like to call it uh, your central – um, management system when it comes to the entire body. Uh, it houses 80% of your immune system. It houses 80% of the microorganisms in and on your body. And together, your immune system and probiotics, as well as the pathogens, the viruses and the bacteria, these all influence your DNA, your genetics, your emotions, your thoughts. So this one organ, massive organ in the body, controls so much that it really it really should be the main focus of Western medicine today, but it's not. Um, but yeah, so if you can focus on gut health, I do believe the, the rest of, you know, if, if your gut health is strong and happy, so will you like to. Well, that's what I would What are some things, what are some take-home things that people can do now to improve their gut health so that their gut is repairing the damage that has occurred over the years or so that they are maintaining good gut health if they already have that? Well, the first thing you want to do is remove the the substances that are irritating the gut, that are causing inflammation in the gut, that are stressing the gut. And the biggest one today would probably be uh, vegetable oils and um, pesticides and herbicides. So if you can move away from the industrial seed oils and if you can move away from as much as you can, you can't be 100% perfect, it's all about progress. If you move towards organic foods, this will prevent the gut from attaining more stress, more inflammation. So removing the gut irritants is the first step. Can I just ask what oils do you what oil do you use to replace the oils that they may be using in cooking? When it comes to fats, you want to stick to animal and fruit fats. Okay, so no, there's no such thing as a vegetable oil, but there are fruit oils and animal oils. Don't be scared or worried about saturated fat. Don't be scared or worried about cholesterol. This is all junk science. It's all turning around today. We're finally coming to realize it was all made up. With the help of the sugar industry, there was a lot of stuff going on there. But, yes, so base your fats around animal fats. So uh, we're talking about lard, tallow, um, 
butter, ghee, ghee, which is clarified butter, duck fat. And when it comes to fruit oils, what I'm talking about there is olive oil, coconut oil, and avocado oil. So if you can focus on the animal fats and the fruit fats, replace all your vegetable oils with those, you'll be doing your your entire body as well as, as your gut a huge favor. What I love was when you said this is all about progress. Yes. Because so often people, and I know I've been guilty of this myself in my life, where I go, great, I really believe this, I'm on 100%. But then to implement it 100% immediately in anything in life is really challenging. So what have I done? Set myself up for failure because I can't sustain it easily. Therefore, it's like, I'll just forget it. So I love that we look at this as progress. It's really important to just do what you can today. That's easy, but make the change now because you've got the information and you've got some tools. Put them into place simply and start to notice the benefits. What's really easy or was easy for me was to make, um, to roast vegetables and duck fat. Once you roast vegetables and duck fat, you'll never want to go back to eating the other way. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've heard that. Jason's got shares in the duck fat factory, but never mind. <laughs> Maybe you should have. All right. Now, we also talked about um, pesticides. So we're talking about the preservatives, the chemicals, the, the um, manufactured yucky stuff that's in our food. Yeah. So it, so anything I like to call that comes from father industry as opposed to mother nature, right? So anything that comes from industrial processes, not that everything is bad, but 99% of anything to do with food in industry uh, is not good for the body. What do you feel about, though, the surgeons that we've seen, uh, the surge recently that we've seen in, you know, convenience, supermarkets, etc.? Because I think in a perfect world, everyone would love to have time to be going to the farmer's market once a week, or actually, no, you'd have to probably go twice a week, um, to be going to the organic store, to be going to, you know, the different suppliers. But it's again, it's not practical for a lot of people. Some can do it, and that's fabulous. But for those that can't, there has been a surge of certified organic, sustainable products, you know, really good ethical products that are hitting the supermarket shelves. Do you still find yourself a bit sceptical going, yeah, look, mass-produced, not possible? Or do you see some good examples of change happening? Things are shifting. Things are changing. I think we're at that tipping point where over the next 10 years, we're going to see more organic and less non-organic things. And it's going to be more natural to see Oh, this is, I mean, I, I, I believe in the future there'll, no, there'll be no such thing as an organic label. It'll just be food, right? That just excites me so much because I think it's crazy. My husband's been involved in uh, organic farming as well as biodynamic farming. And it's crazy that they've got to justify that this is real. <laughs> Shouldn't it be the other way around? You know, I think that the other people have to prove that it's actually real food. Just doesn't make sense to me. So I agree, that's going to be exciting times. Like, I know that you're also a deeply spiritual man and you also believe in the power of the mind. I have sometimes, actually, I have often harmonized food that I know contains stuff I don't want it to contain and my body by the power of prayer 
or the power of using in my world, it's in the words infinite love and gratitude and the gorgeous hand symbol that goes with that, which is the, the thumb, the forefinger and the pinky finger held up with the other two held down. So it's almost like a peace sign, but different fingers up. And I do that palm towards the food and I give blessing with the belief that that changes the, the structure of the food, infuses it with love, and therefore it's going to be better for my body than the toxic stuff that I know that's in it. What's your thoughts on that pathway? That sounds awesome to me. I mean, there's a Chinese proverb, um, I can't remember it now, better to eat the wrong food with the right attitude than the right food with the wrong attitude. I love it when you say it's an ancient Chinese proverb. It makes me feel like I'm in good hands. Yeah, I mean, it's all about intention. You set the intention, and you can do that through prayer, through blessing, through gratitude toward the food. And what this is actually doing in the body, it's reducing cortisol. It's putting you from a stress, uh, fight-and-flight state into a relaxed, calm and connect, digest state. So again, that's about, you know, the person that's rushing, they've got to get from one appointment to another, it's now three o'clock in the afternoon, they haven't had lunch, they are stopping at one of those fast food places, they're grabbing it, they're feeling like crap that they're doing it, so they're actually feeling really bad before they've even bought the food, let alone consumed it, it's like, look, surrender, know that you're doing the best most of the time, don't beat yourself up, and go and, and be appreciative of the moment, and if you're going to do it, do it with love. Mm. I mean, I would say a person in that situation who's rushing around and they pick up an organic meal compared to a person who is taking their time at McDonald's, the person taking their time will have better health in the long term. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Really interesting. I love Imagine it. Imagine how powerful your mind can be when it comes to actual physical changes in how you consume food, information, anything outside your body. You can change how your internal, um, how the internal uh, workings of your body respond to what you're taking in from the outside. You have that power within you to change what's happening outside of you. We are very powerful. Jason, I believe that you've probably got some gorgeous words to help people to inset, to set an intention for their physical body because I'm not a fan of setting the intention of I want to lose 20 kilos I want to get into a size 10 dress size I want to wear bikinis this summer I, I feel that that's setting people up to fail and it's not a deep deep love of the body it's an external thing what's something that we can help people to get really heart-centered with their mind to appreciate and love their gut so that they can have a fabulous physical experience. Well, you want to ask yourself why you want that superficial external number on a scale or number on a measuring tape. Why do you want that? And the better question, I guess, would be, okay, you've got that body. What will that now give you? Okay, So what will you do once you have that body? Because that's just a stopgap for what? All right, so... What happens after that? Because when you get it and there's no plan to do anything after that, you're kind of left wondering what's next. So if you can, if you want to, you know, I don't want to tell people that it's not okay to go for the physical and external. That That's up to them. But if they do that, if someone wants to go the external route, and then make sure that they have the next plan in place. What are you going to do now that you're there? 
So would that be an example of like action? So would it be something like, you know, uh, I'm really looking forward to be able to get my knees recovered from years of playing sport and be able to ride a bike again so that I can ride a bike through uh, the mountains with my children? Yeah. Is that an example of like trying to find a more heart-centered purpose? Yeah. So you're bringing it back to what you're actually going to do in your life. Um, you know, so I, I want a healthier, better looking body so I can be stronger and be able to lift my grandkids one day, you know. So it's always bringing it back to something that is relevant to, uh, making it more functional, how it relates to some practical aspect of your life. Because that external validity that you get from looking in the mirror and you're getting from other people, how is that gonna help you with your family, with your relationship, you know, in real world terms, how does looking good in the mirror help you be a better person in the world? And in reality, it doesn't. So you want to be healthier, you want to be stronger, you want to look good. Why? Well, how is that going to help you in your relationship, in your job? Um, you know, what is that going to give you? So, yeah, you got to go deeper. you got to go deeper. And so to go deeper, it might be something like, I believe that this will give me the confidence to stand in my power and speak up more. I believe that it will give me pride in achievement because it's been a long time since I've achieved a goal that was personally just for me. My goals have been about my family or my children or my friends or supporting my uh, employees or whatever. So bringing it to self, I think, is a good one as well rather than, external to other people yeah and another, and a good question on that is who are you doing this for really yeah that does lead perfectly to that because i think that connection to physical health has to always be about well actually connection to any part of ourself heart mind soul physical has to be for ourselves change only comes when it really lasting lasting change only comes when it's really done for ourselves, isn't it? Yeah. And once you accomplish that change, if it was for someone else, you don't feel anything once you've got it. If it's for you, you, you feel like you've just won the lottery. It's like, yes, I did this for me. I received this. I gave this to myself and I received it wholly. Mm, very self-empowering. I also feel that, you know, you mentioned before, I'm going to bring it up again because it was beautiful words, that it's all about the progress. So, you know, In NLP, chunk it up, get the big, great, big dream happening of whatever that looks like, but then let's chunk it right down to bite sizes so that you're celebrating every inch of the way. You're gathering the evidence of your success of feeling better. And I think for most people listening to this podcast, the reason that they would want to be making these changes to their gut health, to their physical health, is to feel better within themselves. And so celebrate those little milestones. And for those of you that are in our private Facebook Love Life Tribe group, Jason's a very active participant, and I'm very grateful for that. Thank you, Jason. And so let's jump on in there. And uh, those of us that are going to, I'm going to be putting my hand up to commit to better gut health, and I'm going to share my journey. And uh, we've got our private coach in there to cheerlead us on and make sure that we uh, we keep celebrating our successes and keep moving forward. Yep. Um, I'm there for everyone. Any final words, Jason? One thing about healing the gut that I think anyone can do, 
is it just to go outside in the sun, get your feet on the ground. Bare feet? Bare feet on the ground. Bare feet, yes, not with the shoes. Surround yourself with some trees and plants and nature. That is where you came from, and that will help you remember who you are. Because in the world, in the world today, we're, we're told who we should be, and we can get confused about what that means, and we kind of forget who we, who we were. And when you go back into nature, there's this silence, this energy that resonates with you on a real deep level. And I believe if you do more what I call nature therapy, just getting outdoors, the more uh, you'll get in touch with who you are and why you're here. Mm, beautifully said. Intention. Affirmation for the week. And as we come to the end of this week's episode, here is the affirmation. I commit to connecting through nature to my physical body with love and appreciation. If you've enjoyed today's show, then I'd love it if you shared this episode with your friends. You can also listen to over 200 past episodes by heading to our website, which is lovelifeshow.com or on iTunes or at janedonovan.com.au. Until next week, have a gorgeous week. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.